Well, good morning. It is good to see you this morning, and I do mean to see you, actually, to see your faces. Now, you know, now I can tell whether you're snacking or laughing or talking or anything like that. It's, it's going to be good, so we all have to remember how to behave without masks on in church. But it's good to see you this morning. You know, now that the CDC has relaxed its guidance on mask wearing, more and more of the country is opening up and people are tr- going to be traveling a lot more in the near future. Summer is almost upon us and people are headed to camp. They're going on long postponed vacations. They're going to weddings. They're attending events and they're catching up with friends and family all over the place, some of whom they have not seen for a year. And I've got to tell you that as a minister, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what this does to church attendance over this summer. I mean, it's funny, but during the summer, I'll just be out and about minding my own business and I'll run into people, members of the church, and all of a sudden they'll get this, I just got busted look on their faces. And they start confessing. They're like, hey, Bob, sorry, we were out of town this weekend on vacation and we missed church on Sunday. And the first thing that I want to say to them is, how did you find a town in this country where there is no church? That's amazing that you were unable to attend church this Sunday. I usually don't say that. But the second thing I often do say is this. Well, hey, don't apologize to me. It's not my commandment. That's between you and the Lord. But it does always remind me of a little, a little sign that I saw outside of this little country church in Greenwood, South Carolina, very close to Lake Greenwood. It said, on the, it said out on the sign, it said, there are no jet skis on the lake of fire. Just a subtle reminder not to skip church to go up to the lake. Now, some people resent the Sabbath. Because they think that either the church or God is trying to take something away from them. He's trying to take their days off, their freedom, their rights to use their time however they want. And when you start talking about the Sabbath, people get a little nervous. And sometimes they get a little defensive. I mean, work, play, travel, go to church. What are we allowed to do? What are we supposed to do? So today, as we continue our study of Mark, we come to a story about Jesus feeding his disciples and healing on the Sabbath. It begins with the controversy of what one may or may not do on the Sabbath, but then it turns out to be not so much about the Sabbath as it is about the authority of Jesus and the grace of God. So if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, it can be found in your bulletin, it'll be on the screens, or you can use your own Bible if you would like. But beginning in Mark chapter 2, beginning in the 23rd verse. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or, kill, or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amidst the changing words of our generation, speak to us your eternal word that does not change. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Now the story that we've read today is the last in a series of stories about the criticism of Jesus. Now, it's not the last time we'll read about the criticism of Jesus, but it's the last one in this series. Once again, the Pharisees were complaining that Jesus was not towing the line, or at least not their version of towing the line with regard to the law of God. And at the end of the story today, we see that Jesus so provoked the religious leaders that they considered him a threat. And he had to be eliminated. And so they actually conspired with the Herodians, the, the aristocratic political leaders of the court of King Herod. And we see here an inkling that the long road to Jesus' crucifixion began with criticism. Now the episode begins with a rebuke. Jesus' disciples were hungry. They had no food, so that while they were walking along, they picked some heads of grain from the edge of the field just for a snack. And the Pharisees saw them and told on them to Jesus, look, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath rules. And then later, Mark writes that again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And what we see in our passage for today is that old tension. It's a flared to a controversy and conflict between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. What is correct, what is godly, what is obedient, and what is a holy observation of the Sabbath? What may you do and what may you not do on the Sabbath? Now to our 21st century ears, this may sound pretty petty. But we need to understand why this was so important to the Pharisees. And honestly, why it should be a bigger deal to us. So as we look at that, I want you to ask, what is the big deal about the Sabbath? 
to understand the controversy, we need to understand the purpose of the Sabbath. In the beginning, as part of the creative ordering of our world, God established the Sabbath as a day of worship and rest. Genesis 2.2 says this, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then when God gave his law to his people through Moses, this is what he said. Listen to the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we always think of the Sabbath as a day of rest, but I don't want us to miss this. The Sabbath was actually established as a day of reverence. The Sabbath is about reverence. The seventh day of the week, every week, was a day to be set aside to honor the Lord, to honor God, and to honor God's work of creation. And how was God to be honored? By resting just as he rested. On it you shall not do any work. So the Sabbath has always been more than just a day of rest. From Moses on, the Sabbath was to be a sign of God's special relationship with Israel. It was a sign of God's covenant with Israel. Exodus 31, 17 says, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. How is it a sign? Nobody else did this. Foreigners and later their own captors would look at the Jews and say, why do they take a day off every week? No one else does that. But the Sabbath served to set the people of Israel apart as God's chosen people. And so the Sabbath was a day on which no business took place. It was to be a sign of devotion, a way of showing the world that their devotion to God was greater than their greed, greater than their commerce or their wealth. It was to show the world this special relationship and to show them that this special relationship mattered. It's like this. It's one of the ways, you know, what is one of the ways that you show people you love them? It's to remember special days. It's to set aside time for them. Birthdays, anniversaries, special events. If you're married, maybe you and your wife have a special date night. The point is that you make time with that person because that is one of the most powerful ways to tell people you really matter to me. I think it was Mike Huckabee who once said that, that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time is one of those gifts that we give to people to say, you matter to me, and if you miss it, you're in trouble. 
The Sabbath was a special time set aside by the Jews to say, God really matters to me. God really matters to us. That's why we do this. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're here to worship, to say together that God really matters to me, that God really matters to us. The heart of the Sabbath is really setting aside time to be connected to God and say, he matters. But the problem was that from the time of Moses on, there was some dispute over the do's and don'ts of the Sabbath. By the time of Jesus, the religious leaders had loaded this law with a stack of specific regulations. There were 39 types of activity that you could not do on the Sabbath, including reaping grain, which is what the Pharisees accused the disciples of doing. But we have to ask this question, why did the Pharisees take the Sabbath so seriously? Well, let's not be overly judgmental. Let's not be too harsh on the Pharisees. The Pharisees took the Sabbath seriously because God takes the Sabbath seriously. If you want to go back to the beginning of the Exodus, go back to God telling the king of Egypt, telling the Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. And how did Pharaoh respond? But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God said, I'm not giving them a day off to go worship the Lord. They're lazy. Put them back to work. Make them make their own bricks. And what did the Lord do? The Lord brought Egypt, the mightiest empire on earth, to its knees because Pharaoh would not let his people honor the Sabbath. You know, this should be a warning to every boss who makes his people work without a Sabbath. And I'm as serious as 10 plagues about that. God is serious about the Sabbath. You don't think so? God was serious about the Sabbath? Deadly serious. In Numbers 15, verses 32 through 36, while the people of Israel were in the, in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And the Lord said to Moses, not the Pharisees, not the temple leaders, not the Levites, not the Nazarites, not Moses. The Lord said to Moses, the, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. God takes the Sabbath seriously. And the Pharisees took the Sabbath seriously because God takes the Sabbath seriously. And clearly the assumption of the Pharisees was that obviously Jesus and his followers were not taking the Sabbath seriously. So here's the tension. But Jesus knew God's law and Jesus knew history better than they. And so he defended his disciples with a rebuttal. He said to the Pharisees, come on, fellas. Are you serious? Even King David and his companions entered the sanctuary and ate the bread of the presence right off the altar. 
with the chief priest right there watching. He said, this is not a violation of the Sabbath. But then he went one step further. He didn't just defend his disciples. He went on offense. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was not made to serve us. Excuse me, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Son of Man has authority over the Sabbath. He's in charge. Now, what did he just say? Did Jesus say, did Jesus just say that he not only knows the meaning of the Sabbath better than the Pharisees, but that he is in fact Lord of the Sabbath? Well, just add that to his list of blasphemies that Jesus calls himself Lord of the Sabbath, that is outrageous. He had already declared that he has godly authority to forgive sins, and now he's claiming to be the ultimate judge, that he has jurisdiction and authority to declare what is proper and what is not proper on the Sabbath. Only God has the right to do that. Who does he think he is? Who does he know he is? And then later, when Jesus was in the synagogue, there was a man with a withered, crippled hand. And Mark tells us that the Pharisees were watching Jesus to see if he would or if he could even resist the temptation not to show off his healing power by healing this man, even though it was still the Sabbath. And again, as he had done in the past, Jesus sees this man with this crippling condition. And then he looked past him and he saw the Pharisees just waiting to pounce. And he decided to make this a teachable moment. Because again, Jesus knew the law better than they and Jesus pushed back on their own level. He pushed back on their legalism. He asked, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And Mark just tells us that they were silent. They didn't answer. They just stood there seething. And their contempt and their hard hearts broke the heart of Jesus. And scripture says that he actually got angry. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And when he did, his hand was restored. And I don't want us to miss the point of that miraculous, undeniable, visible sign. That miraculous, undeniable, visible sign was a show of godly power. And its purpose was to prove the validity of Jesus' declaration that indeed he is the Lord of the Sabbath. The purpose of this episode is twofold. First, the big thematic point is to once again point to the authority of Jesus and to show us who Jesus really is. He really is 
the Lord of the Sabbath. He really is God. But the second particular point of these Sabbath stories is to awaken us to God's grace. Even the grace baked into the law of God. Just as this healing miracle is a sign that points to the grace and power and authority of Jesus, we need to understand that the Sabbath is a sign that points not to God's stricture, but to God's grace. When Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, he was saying that the Sabbath is a gift from God for us. The Sabbath is a gift of love. The Sabbath is not about regulation. The Sabbath is about reverence for God and restoration for us. Tim Keller writes, why does Jesus become so angry with the religious leaders? He becomes angry with them because the Sabbath is about restoring the diminished. It's about replenishing the drained. It's about repairing the broken. The law of Moses, the Old Testament, tells us that God loves us so much that he built into the schedule of the universe time for us to spend with him. And the way we honor God is the same way we honor other people, by giving, giving them our most precious and limited commodity, the gift of our time. We show reverence to God by resting from all of our other work and distractions and spending time with him in a way that says, you really are awesome. I owe you everything. I love you. I need you. And God, you really do matter to me. You see, the Sabbath is not about regulation. It's about reciprocating God's love for us. But the Lord of the Sabbath also showed them something about God's gift of the Sabbath that had gotten lost. Jesus reminded them that the Sabbath is about restoration. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is teaching us as he was teaching them that the Sabbath is about more than reverence. It's also about restoration. It's about feeding and healing. It's about spiritual feeding and spiritual healing, physical healing and physical healing feeding. It's about our daily bread, our daily strength, our rest, both physical and spiritual, our, our healing, withering what is broken inside of us, our bodies and our spirits. You see, God doesn't get hungry, but he knows that we do. 
He knows that we're starving, not only for food, but for purpose and love and clarity and meaning and for connection and healthy relationships. God doesn't get sick or God doesn't get hurt. He cannot be wounded or broken, but he knows that we can be. And he knows that our physical pains, our bodies are broken by sickness and injury and age. He knows about mental illnesses and he knows about broken hearts that leave us anxious and obsessed and confused and withered. And God does not get tired, but he knows that we do. He knows that we are burned out and tired, especially after 14 months of COVID and political ugliness and uncertainty. He knows that we need a break and you can't spell restoration without R-E-S-T. He knows we need rest. And the Lord of the Sabbath knows that we need a Sabbath, even when we don't think we do. Now, what's interesting is that in Luke's version of the story, the Bible says that Jesus knew their thoughts. He could actually read their minds. Luke 6, 8 says, but he knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts but he also knew their fears. The Pharisees had a distorted view of the Sabbath because they were afraid of losing their place with God. They thought that they had to earn God's favor. They thought that they had to earn God's approval. They thought that they had to earn their place with God. We have a distorted view of the Sabbath because we're afraid of lots of other things. We're afraid that we'll lose our place in the world. We fall into the trap of believing if I stop working, my competition will eat me alive. If I take a break, people will be disappointed. I will lose clients. I won't be able to pay my bills. I'll lose my place in society and my reputation will suffer. If I'm not here, people are going to freak out and I'll let everybody down. And the reason Jesus got so upset with the Pharisees is because the Pharisees' attitude was diverting and distracting people. It was distracting them from the real story of God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. This is a great example of making religion about legalistic regulations instead of our relationship with God. So what did Jesus do? On the Sabbath, Jesus used his power to break through all of those distortions and negative thoughts. Jesus said to that man, show me your withered hand. Show me your withered hand. Stretch out that toxic thought. Show me your pharisaical fear. And then abide in me. Trust me. And I will feed your deepest hunger. I will heal your most painful brokenness. And I will give you the peace you so desperately crave. If you will just trust me and abide in me. Jesus wants us to understand that God is for us. And in this story, Jesus redirects our thinking about one of God's most precious gifts, teaching us that the Sabbath is a gift of his grace, not a requirement for his approval. 
We are not saved because we do something for God. We are saved by what God has done for us. The rest we need is not just physical rest. It is the spiritual confidence that comes from knowing, the spiritual security that comes from knowing that we can rest in God's grace and mercy. Jesus was not overturning the Sabbath. He was reclaiming it as God's gift, not man's burden. God gave the Sabbath to honor God, but here Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, is telling us that God also gave us the Sabbath to restore man. It's not about the day, it's about the relationship. We honor God's finished work of creation by making time for him. And we honor Christ's finished work of restoration on the cross by resting in his grace and receiving the Sabbath as a gift of love from the God who loves us. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, we need your Sabbath. We need your restoration. Lord, we honor you, but we are tired. We honor you, but we are spread thin. We honor you, but Lord, we need your renewal. Lord, revive us by your word. Revive us by fellowship. Revive us by your presence. And Lord, revive us in the time we spend with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.